KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Michelle Durham. The tragedy of the Fairmount Fire has brought fire prevention and fire safety to the forefront. Now, I spoke with the Chief of Fire Prevention and the Code Unit for the Philadelphia Fire Department. And Chief Gustav Bauman hopes that everyone is taking a second look at their homes right now, assessing safety issues, and formulating an escape plan. Here's our conversation. Sadly, these events are what make us think about fire. You know, as if it doesn't happen on our block or if it's not somebody we know, we think of all the other things that could happen to us in the universe. It's one of the things that we don't think about until it happens. So I'm glad to be here and do anything I can. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, because I was born and raised here in Philly, my grandfather's firehouse is actually Jack's Firehouse Restaurant. So he used to walk around the corner to work. But everybody owned their house. And now you've got, you know, in that neighborhood in South Philly, in Northeast Philly, you have homes that were once single family homes converted into a multi-story unit. And just explain to people um, what they need to do if they're in one of those, because not everybody is coded for a fire escape. That's an apartment building. But I just wanted to talk about these folks because there's a lot of people living in this situation, Chief. Yeah. Many row homes throughout the city have been converted into what we call multiple occupancy dwellings. And simply put, that's just more than one family living in um, a building. These did start off as your ordinary, what we would call row homes. Uh, People in the suburbs may understand them better as townhomes. It's the same principle, whereas there are rows of homes that are attached to each other. They have common walls. Sometimes they have common roofing. These buildings Uh, that once housed one family now can be turned into what we would think of as apartments. Sometimes it's one family per floor. Sometimes the apartments are broken down where they have sections of floors or multiple floors. And uh, what's unique about these are that they are coded as the single family dwellings as far as not needing fire escapes. But all buildings, regardless of their occupancy, need to have smoke alarms. Our basic Information is that smoke alarms should be placed on every level of the home, including the basement. And if they are apartments, the landlords are responsible for maintaining that smoke alarm or alarm type system. Depending on the size of the house that was converted, they may have a hardwired alarm system, which means that the smoke alarms are tied into the wiring of the building. But most times what you'll find are the alarms are battery operated. The alarms that you purchase in the store or that you get from the fire department are 10-year lithium batteries that are sealed or built into the alarm. So these batteries can't be taken out. And it's a good thing because these batteries last approximately 10 years. Older type alarms have a a battery that's used. Typically, it's a nine-volt battery. Those batteries are only good for six months to a year on average which is why we tell individuals to replace their batteries every six months if they do have those. But equally important as having a smoke alarm, because that's just a tool, is a home safety or home escape plan. And whether we live in an apartment or a single family dwelling, everyone has to know how to get out of every room in that residence. 
We need to know how to get out of the kitchen, every bedroom out of the basement. And that includes adults, senior adults, and youth. We all need to do that and practice this on a monthly basis. I think a lot of parents, Chief, are worried about introducing this to their kids. You know, when I went through the fire academy, my kids, we, yeah. we did the fire state, and they, they had the red Solo cups over their nose and mouth yes. to, to mimic mom's SCBA, and they're crawling down the hallway. And I'm like, okay, you two yeah. are fine, but not everybody has that. No, and it's scary. And so what we tell families is start off small. We don't want them to get frightened in the beginning of their learning about fire safety, uh, because when they get frightened, they don't want to do it. They shun away from it. And so we say, start small. And starting small is sit down, have that conversation with your children and say, we are practicing for the event of a fire. And a fire can be scary, but things we can do to help ourselves are things like this. And we can utilize coloring books or sketches or diagrams or literature that's provided by the fire department or downloadable off the internet uh, from the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association. And we show that to the children so that they start getting an interest in fire and life safety. Start off small, showing them where they're at in the house on a diagram and then holding their hand and walking them through the house and explaining if you ever see smoke or if you ever hear your smoke alarm going off, this is what we'll do and hold the child's hand and take them from each room and practice getting them out. And more importantly, if they do see a fire or smoke, that they can stay where they're at and shut their doors and then go to the window and scream for help. And so if we start off small that way and explaining it, by the time they get to school and have these assembly programs that the fire department puts on, when they see a firefighter in a mask, if they do get scared, it's later on in the fire and life safety training, as opposed to the beginning, which would make them afraid to do any of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. The other big factor I'm hearing, and I'm hearing it from my colleagues, too, who have young kids, the clothes before you doze. There's a lot of kids who are afraid to go to sleep with their bedroom door closed or parents who are afraid they're not going to hear their kids behind a closed door. It's so important. It is important. And it's something that I think many citizens do. You know, the reality is that we want to hear what's going on, whether we're afraid of crime, whether we're worried about the health and safety of our children or our pets. So many people sleep with the doors open. Our reality is that smoke and heat travel far faster than the fire itself. And so when we're asleep, we may not even realize because the fumes, the chemicals that are in smoke can make us stay asleep and not wake up. Things like carbon monoxide, for example, I'm sure everybody hears about, but the smoke is what usually kills us, then the heat, then the flame. And so we have to have some kind of way to prevent that smoke And that heat and eventually the flame from getting to us. If everyone slept with their door closed, these doors save critical minutes. Sometimes, depending on what the rating is of a door, these doors could protect us for an hour or so. And this is long enough for the fire department to help us, to rescue us whenever there's a situation. If we keep the doors closed for those that can afford baby monitors, that's an option that we can look at. And for those that don't, 
sometimes it's worth just getting up in the night, going into a room and checking on that child or checking on that pet to get yourself that sense of um, safety and happiness and be able to get through the sleep. But it truly is important to shut a door, keep the door closed when you're asleep and keep the door closed, get in that habit. If you're not using that room, shut the door. I think during the daytime, people don't realize the fires happen then as well. And we could be downstairs watching TV or eating dinner and an appliance or an outlet that could be overloaded in a bedroom could catch fire. If that door is shut, that fire is going to remain in that room along with the smoke and heat for a lot longer time before um, it becomes so dangerous that we can't get out. We'll still hear it because the smoke alarms will go off. But a lot of that dangerous uh, thing, the fire, the smoke that's in that room will stay there long enough for us to get out, get to our central meeting place and call 911 for help. So keep the doors closed during the day when you're not using a room and at night while you're sleeping in there. So, Chief, a lot of the houses I grew up in the Northeast and Northeast Philly, South Philly, Fairmount, they have if you're on the second floor, the only way to get out is to come down the main steps. That's true. And I would say that the Kidda Ladder, and that's obviously a name brand, but any brand that's UL approved is something to think about. But when you think about using an escape ladder, and which is why we don't recommend that you do this, is because there's two things that are going on with that. One is you are in an emergency and you're fighting for your life and you're scared. Now, in most row homes that you'll see throughout the city, I encourage you to take a look. If you go out back and look up, there's a whole set of wires that go between the second and the first floor windows. If that insulation is stripped, or if you put that ladder out the window and climb down, you may step on those wires by accident. If you do, you could be electrically shocked. That's very dangerous. And secondly, when you put that um, ladder out the window and then climb down, this is going to be your first time ever doing this. And you're going to be under extreme duress. And it's possible that you could fall or stumble on that ladder. And so we don't encourage people to exit a property. If you hear sirens, you know the fire department is coming. You're in a room that you can't escape from. Shut that door. If you have anything to put under the door, fill the cracks with towels, clothing, anything you can to slow down that smoke from coming into the room. Just shut the door, get to the window, and scream as loud as you can, anything you can. Fire, help, get people's attention. We really don't want people exiting on escape ladders. It's not that they're not safe but that it, it's going to most likely be your first time doing it. And we don't want you to come in contact with the wire. Yeah, that's true. I was telling people to go out the front window because, yeah, all the wires yeah. are in the back. Um, yeah. But and you may not be able to get to that front room, though. I know that's the it's thing. It's so critical to just shut the door, stay in place and scream for help. I wanted to talk to you about the smoke because what I've been trying to explain to people is why the smoke kills you more quickly today than maybe in our grandparents' time is because everything in your house is made of plastic and that's petroleum. Yes. And so if you notice now that 
color of that smoke is very rich, dark black. And it's funny because I think we, if we look at something, say, for example, we have a campfire, that's wood, which is typically what a lot of products in uh, older years were made of. And when you get that soot on you, that ash, it kind of feels powdery. Well, now when we have anything that burns, we look at it, that smoke tends to form like little droplets, if you will. And when you go to touch that smoke, like the soot that's on things, it smears. It's more like an oily type content. And that's because of the petroleum that's used to make these plastic type products. With that being said, there are so many chemicals. Not only are they carcinogens, but they're also lethal immediately, depending on what they are. And these are in smoke. And that's what makes those thick black particles. And those thick black particles of smoke are actually things that haven't burned yet. And so the smoke itself can catch on fire when it gets hot enough. But we would be breathing this in and this would kill us very quickly, well before the heat or the actual flame itself. And that's why the smoke alarm giving you the extra couple minutes is so crucial. Yes. And not only for an everyday situation for us that feel like they're fit and can move quickly, but those of us that can't. Sometimes we have ambulatory issues. We have bedridden members in our family. We have people that have conditions where they need extra assistance, if you will, in getting out of the residence when there's a fire. So the quicker we can be alerted, the more safe we're going to be. For those who want to do a fire safety check of their own home, start with the smoke alarm and then move on from there. Yes. Start with the smoke alarm. Continue on by having a carbon monoxide alarm on every level of the home as well. And then continue through to having a home or a fire escape plan. And then follow all that up with practicing. Practice the escape. Practice testing the alarms to make sure they work. And then I also tell people not only for the house that you're in, but ask about that for the houses that you go to. Or we send our children to a daycare or to a friend's house babysitting while we go out. Do we know what their escape plan is? Do they have the proper smoke alarms and safety for our children or ourselves or our spouses that we're entrusting their lives with at that location? So think about that, too. And if you go to a hotel or you're vacationing, I always scope out because of you guys. I always scope out the escape plan, but people are on vacation mode. They don't often think about that. They really don't. You know, when they go on vacation, it's to forget about life, to just get away, retreat and have fun. But we can't have fun if we're not safe. And so, yeah, when you're putting your bags down and you're making sure that the bathroom is fully stocked and a little mini bar, take a walk over to the door. And on the back of the door is the escape plan for that room. And then in addition, when you go to get your ice or you go to check in, use the elevator, walk to where the fire exit is. Count how many steps it is and what direction it is from your door. This way, if you do encounter an emergency, you already have it in your mind which way you're supposed to turn and roughly how long it should take for you to get there. I don't want to neglect the people living in high rises, Chief. Is the fire escape plan and, and everything is different for a high rise? I think we should address that. There's so many more in the city now. 
Oh, absolutely. The building trend is amazing. Now, granted, the skyline is so different than we were growing up. I remember when you couldn't build larger than Billy Penn's hat. And yet now our city looks so beautiful at night because we have all these large buildings. Well, with those large buildings comes a different way to affect a fire escape plan. So on a high rise, a lot of those are uh, modern buildings and they're built in a way where the fire is contained to a room or several rooms or even a floor. And so we don't see that fire spread that we would in say a wooden structure that's large. But with that comes the heat and smoke can still go everywhere, just like fire. And what we'll find in a larger building, a high rise, is that it may not always be easy for us to get out of there. During a fire, the elevators aren't going to work. But what we do know is that in these high rise buildings, there are fire towers, if you will. There are stairwells that are situated in the building where if you make it to that tower, it will take you to a lobby and then outside the building. So it's very important to know where that feature is, that location of the exit, and then practice using it. In addition to that, because it's where you live, you're vested in that property. So make sure that those exits are not blocked in any way, that the doors aren't propped open, uh, whether it's with a wedge or any other type of device. And let management know if you see that. In a high rise, because we share with so many other people, if there's a fire in your apartment or your condo, shut your door on the way out of your building and scream fire as you're going down the hallway to the exit. It's very important. Shut your door because we don't want that fire or smoke to spread out of there. Now, if you're in your apartment or condo and the fire is not in your unit, when you hear the alarm go off, go to your door, feel the door with the back of your hand. If your door is cool, open your door. If there's no smoke or heat or fire in your hallway, then proceed to the fire exit and make your way out of the building. If you go to the door and you feel it with the back of your hand and it is hot, stay in your apartment or condo, call 911, tell them which apartment you're in, what the conditions are for you so that your apartment just say, is safe. There's no smoke, fire, or heat, but when you felt the door, you did feel heat and that you're there and you're going to the window and then do the same thing. Wave a towel, scream for help, anything you can do to get attention. And then lastly, for apartment buildings, those type buildings have an alarm system. And so when there's an alarm in an individual unit, it will set off an alarm for the entire building. Uh, A lot of times when people See an al- uh, hear an alarm go off, they ignore it. Don't ignore it. Check your door, check your hallway, and exit the building. If you can't, stay in your room. In addition, if you are leaving the building, there are what we call manual pull stations. There are those little boxes that you see. It's a red device on the walls, and sometimes you hear about them being pulled by accident, or maybe some juvenile decided to play one day and pulled it just for fun. Those alarms should only be pulled if you see active smoke or flame. Otherwise, the alarm goes off. Don't pull any additional alarms. Just leave the building and wait for the fire department to show up. Wait outside the building. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to this podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app. 
and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Michelle Durham, and we'll have another episode out soon.